What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys, and they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights, and all the goods, so come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another volume of I Dig Records, a Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes of the regular podcast coming at you every Friday where I'm usually in conversation with an artist or a band. And these I Dig Records episodes coming at you every other Wednesday. If you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops 
of those iTunes charts. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Can't stress the importance of those reviews enough. And if you want to find other ways to support the show, I will put the links in the episode notes so you can get a Dan Cable Presents mug or a t-shirt. I've also been dropping monthly playlists on Spotify. Those are coming at you every first of the month. So the June one is now available there. And you can also find the podcast on Spotify if that's your preferred listening place. But wherever you're listening, if you're not doing it on iTunes, just subscribing, following, sharing this thing, telling friends about it is uh, another great way to support it. Stoked to get into this one, volume 19 of I Dig Records. And this time around, my cousin Rob and I are talking about Bonnie Vare's 2016 release, 22 a million. Pumped to share the conversation that we had around this one. Justin Vernon, man, just uh, probably going to go down as one of the all-time great songwriters of uh, of our time, or at least my era of things, and somebody that just anytime his voice comes on, it is difficult to not be filled with uh, a lot of emotion, just just something really undeniable about it. So we're going to jump into that momentarily. If you're in the Portland area and you want to come see some free live music, Produce Row Cafe every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. Got some really great stuff coming up there, including this Sunday, June 13th. We've got a DJ set from Slurgeon who uh, puts together a bunch of cool shows in the city. The Thirsty City show's going on, so he'll be uh, throwing down a beat set so you can come catch some late brunch this Sunday, the 13th. And then June 16th, we've got more producers and beat makers, Brother vs. Robot, and one of my favorites in the city, Alex Meltzer, will be there. And June 20th, more of the same. We got Free Tillman and Love Jones, so a bunch of hip-hop and uh, beat sets going on over at Produce Row. And then June 23rd, Fox and Bones is there. Really cool folk duo, Sarah and Scott. And June 27th, Karen Ann, incredible soulful voice of Karen Ann, will be at Produce Row. So if you want to come see some free music, grab some cocktails, and hang out on the patio while you enjoy some good food, that's going on Produce Row every Sunday, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And every Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. All right. That's all the ramblings up top. All those links will be in the episode notes so you can follow up with my cuzzo and his music groups, Sun King, High Pulp, as well as his record label, Inside Voices. And uh, the links for everything else will be in the episode notes as well. For Justin Vernon, Bonnie Vare, Produce Row, Distro Kid, all the things will be there. And this is my cousin and I talking about the 2016 release from Bonnie Vare, 22 a million on the Jag Jaguar record label. Let's do the damn thing. I just want everybody to know that I dig records. 
I dig records, bro. I dig records. We're back. Bro. We're back. We're back again. We've returned with yet another uh, sub 35 minute record, which is a beautiful thing. I think we should outlaw 60 minute records on the podcast, not in general. But uh, I don't. I don't see that really happening it's your podcast man i mean it's your podcast too you're selecting these records <laughs> like mm, that's true you're that's you're true. uh you're putting them into the air you know what i just realized too is that we're you know we're here doing volume 19 mm-hmm. this bonnie bear record but we actually haven't even we didn't even choose records Oh shit! To do next time, so we're gonna have oh, to take the end fun. of this podcast to yep. to do so. But um, and I think maybe for this, yeah, let's do a let's do a non discogs one for this next one because there's a few records that I have, um, or that I don't have that I would love to do. Okay. Okay. So we'll flip it away from the discogs for for a round. Yeah, we've been doing like the last probably four to six episodes or so have all been discog selections which has been it's been fun it's been cool to just like browse through your catalog and i was stoked that you you picked this bonnie bear record out because this is justin vernon man it's he's he's probably going to be one of the most like most influential songwriters maybe that we ever get to witness i feel like yeah it's pretty crazy that that i think that that's true you know um he i mean the one of the first records i ever bought one of the first three records was uh the self-titled record and i had for emma very early on as well um but I think that that self-titled record came out right about the time I started collecting records. And I was like, oh, well, that's the one I want. But, um, yeah, I mean, just a dude from, from Wisconsin. He's from Eau Claire. Yeah. I went to college. Uh, his brother went to the same college that I went to. And my I have some friends from school that uh, were from Eau Claire. And, like, they went, all went to the same summer camp that – Justin Vernon was a counselor at and this and that like he's just a small town mm-hmm. dude from Wisconsin and that was cool when he won the Grammy and he just like was shouting and out you know Eau Claire and and this and that he's got a lot of pride that he's like not from LA or New York or you know Chicago even it's like yeah Wisconsin and if you're a fan of of Bonnie Bear Justin Vernon, you're a fan of this fella, and you have not seen the Zane Lowe interview that he did a couple years back, or surprisingly, the interview that he did where him and Aaron Rodgers are interviewing each other. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. Yeah. Both of those are incredible interviews, and will give you like a lot of insight, I think, into who this dude is, and and just like a lot of the anxiety and like mental health shit that he dealt with as this became a huge project out of nothing and just kind of like dealing with 
maybe a level of fame that you never hoped for or wanted. You know, you right. just like wanted to put good music out and all of a sudden you blow up into becoming this, uh, this Grammy winning artist. I mean, he seems, he seems to be a intentional person, you know? And I think that that comes through in his music. And I think that that also makes sense why there was five years in between his second record, the self-titled Bon Iver record, and then this third record, 22 a million, you know, labels want you to be on cycles of, you know, 18 to 24 months, you know, releasing shit and putting out, you know, going on tour. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, he, he's on Jack Jaguar, which is a cool label. That's a part of the secretly family. So, and yeah, it just seems like, you know, obviously, especially, you know, once you're, once you've won a Grammy and this and that, like your labels probably chill with you being like, Hey, I'm going to take a few years and get this next one. Right. You know, but it's still like props to him for taking the time and like, obviously taking a big turn from that self-titled record into this new, new at that time, uh, into that self-titled record, you know, which right. what, this came out in 2015, 2016. 2016 this yeah. one dropped. I remember when this record came out and one of the first times I ever listened to it was cruising up to Seattle for the, uh, for the first hammerhead tour, Whoa. which was a band that I was managing for a bit, which would later change its name to brother, not brother. But I remember us playing that on our way up to Seattle, up to play big building, play the moon. Yeah. When I was living at the blue house, probably. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I remember, that time fondly of cruising up and listening to this album. I already knew that it was going to be pretty far out from anything he'd ever done and maybe a little more experimental than anything you were a fan in. Yeah, absolutely. Those, uh, for Emma and the self-titled album, just both those records absolutely destroy me. They're amazing. They're still amazing. Like I, yeah, I still, still like learn from them. Even for Emma, which is such a simple record, you know. Um, That's why it's so good, though. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, I learned shit from it as a drummer, mm. and there's like no drums, you know. Yeah. Um, and I thought the self-titled. I remember the first time I heard that being played, and it was in my house. And Braden had that record on. Word. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Because I came to the Bonnie Bear shit a little late mm-hmm. from when it came out. Mm-hmm. I, I really started diving into it when I moved to Portland, which was like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that playing in the house that first time, I was, I was just like pretty blown away with the whole sound of it. The production, it's so lush. I mean, I remember the first time I, yeah, listened to that record too. Just hearing like Perth, just like the first song on their record, you know? And just like, like with the drums and all that. Like, just like, holy shit, this is like some mountaintop 
like shit. Like this is yeah. this is insane, you know. record came out for some reason I just didn't I don't think I was really I was just like in a totally different place with my ears you know I was really listening to like a lot of jazz and um it wasn't that I wasn't interested in this but I just never got around to listening to it really I feel like this is also the time where you were going really heavy and you're like damn funk phase oh yeah of, super of stuff and yeah the super thundercat into, and like the flying lotus like it was all yeah. in that area i feel and like just a lot of like djing and and doing stuff like that too and like getting into like ear cave and the dwight sykes like all that sort of stuff like that was a lot more where i was my ears were so this came out and my buddy mark was like this is the best i fucking love it yada 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 and then like i just never listened to it for some reason that's so funny that you did that I forgot the yada 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 i don't know if you care about seinfeld or have seen uh, i've never really watched seinfeld okay well i'm i'm a i'm a big seinfeld person and ruby my girlfriend has not really seen much of it so we've been watching the whole thing through Mm -hmm. and we're actually almost done with the ninth and final season but there's we just got done with uh the yada yada the yada yada episode which is (laughs) um it's it's a great one for sure listen to this marcy comes over and she tells me that her ex-boyfriend was over late last night and yada 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 i'm really tired today (laughs) you don't think she'd yada yada sex I've yada yada sex. Really? Yeah. I met this lawyer. We went out to dinner. I had the lobster bisque. We went back to my place. Yada yada yada. I never heard from him again. But you yada yada over the best part. No, I mentioned the bisque. Um. Yeah. I I think though as far as going into listening to this album for the first time, when you make an album that self titled and the, you know, for Emma, which is maybe, I don't know which one of those I even like more than the other. I feel like the, the Just whole Bonnie moods. bear catalog is definitely, yeah, it's like whatever one I'm listening to at that mm-hmm. moment is my, maybe favorite. my favorite one, but definitely, different moods but like when you when you make records that are that fucking good and kind of like evoke that a much much emotion and hit that heavy with me i i have such a just there's such an open space for you to like come into with whatever you're making i'm like i'm just i'm already in right along for the ride Mm -hmm. and i remember this this album kind of 
I don't know, sparking a lot of conversation even before it came out because it got leaked. I don't know mm. if you if you know that. I do but remember it's, that. Yeah, it was like a Mark pretty significant it. leak yeah. mm-hmm. where these MP3s and stuff were floating around and there was only like one track missing from it. I think it was the uh, it's the 33 God song. It was the only thing that wasn't a part of that leak. And I remember just people talking about it and... Even this record, you know, maybe rubs some people who were on board with the first two a little wrong or maybe maybe feel like you're you're reaching for something because he puts this out around the same time as like uh Life of Pablo from yeah, Kanye yeah, yeah. and just like really knowing that, you know, the Kanye Con- influence uh, that that conversation is so so clear, you know. Right, right. But I thought I thought personally for the better. Like oh, I, I like yeah. I like what that does and and him, you know, clearly, you know, making that part of his process or like it informing his lens in making twenty two a million. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I was also reading that there um this dude Chris Messina, who worked on this record with him developed a specific piece of software for making this record that's nuts yeah what about it like and it's just referred to as the messina so maybe you can look it up and and see if if you can kind of like make more sense of of what that is but i was just reading that software in the notes that that was that was developed specifically for that record Yeah, okay, so I found an article. I'll uh, read it when I got a moment. So what did you like? I know this, like you said, this isn't something you really listened to much of when it came out at all. So what was it like five years later, you're digging into this record and kind of giving it your full attention? Yeah, and that's sort of what it was because, like, I had listened to it, right? Like... Mark sat me down and made me listen to it. Um, so I had heard it and I remembered some things, but I really hadn't done headphones and I hadn't done anything intentional. So that this record is good. I think it's very good. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really cool how... I don't even like saying that I think it's good. I don't know what that means. I'll say I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? No such thing as good or bad, but I enjoyed it. Um, I have a couple things about it that sort of, I'm just like, I could take or leave, but we can get into that later. Um, I think in general, like I love that he just like went off the deep end, you know, in a certain way. Um, and I feel like that's sort of the only, that was sort of the only option. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it makes sense. I mean, so 22 over soon is cool. It's a really, so you obviously notice that he's like doing the Kanye, he's talking with Kanye, whatever. He's learning, working, collaborating. There's just so much sampling going on on this record. You know what I mean? Like, Already from the start, you can hear him, 
you know, it might be over soon. He's sampling it, transposing it, turning it up and down. Mm-hmm. Like, you're already in this whole other, like, sort of landscape than you've ever been in with Bony Bear. Yeah. Where this isn't a band anymore as much as right. it's, like, a production, you know? He's Which building in- shit in the box. Yeah, and it includes live instruments, and it includes, you know, horns and Colin Stetson and, you know, still playing on it. But, like, it's a lot more, like, this is not, like, live takes. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is, like, this is in the box, like you said. We're chopping so, shit up. Yeah. Manipulating things differently totally. than before. I also really like on that opening track, and it kind of exists through some of the other songs on the record but just kind of that fucked up and unclear almost like you've got something wrong with like a faulty cable mm-hmm. in your stereo where things are kind of glitching in and out yeah I mean there's even like yeah yeah if you go to like the 220 or 215 mark it cutting in and out to like it goes to zero like it it, it it doesn't just like simulate that effect like your headphones for a second aren't like making any noise because he just like cuts it out you know pretty like also got like the horns yeah 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 no i mean and then the classic like this is what makes the the bony bear thing a through thread is like a 230 those backup vocals that's like something that you have from for Emma through the self-titled into this and then further into I I like that's sort of the thing that connects it because everything else is so like so different um I also like really appreciate that that mantra of it might be over soon that mm-hmm. rolls through it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and just know like it ends on that it might be over soon and you have like a second to catch your breath before boom we're into like a new world for sure now yeah and this death breast i think when i was listening to this i was on a bike ride the other day and i was listening to it for the first time and i was like did my like phone put me on like an algorithm is this like something else you know and then the vocals started and i was like no this is just that and i was like this is super cool i'm super into this production that heavy dark percussion very kanye you know you can hear the kanye in this 100 percent house here we've been getting deeper into synthesis and modular synths and drum machines and samplers and sequencers and stuff and so i i'm just in a place right now where i appreciate what he's doing what this is you know well there's also like on this track for a while there's really nothing else melodically going on other than his voice exactly which is tight and i think that that's um one of the strengths of this record is the um the lack of like 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus writing. And it's a lot of through composed stuff that just like flows and, and finds its way to wherever it ends. Um, and he uses a lot of space, you know, I mean, you get to the 110 mark of death breast and it's just space with that huge sub. with Kanye once <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah and they're just like now you're now you're like think you're making Jesus and it's like you know I understand that as a um sometimes it's a little on the head but I think it is for the better like you know I'd rather it be there than not be there you know yeah man and I don't know it, it, yeah it's obviously if you know that he worked with Kanye you and got some insight on that process. It's, you know, he's painting with some of those colors, but it also... And Kanye has said that that Justin Vernon is, like, one of his favorite living artists. Like, so it's not just that, like... Like, it's a mutual thing, you right. know? Like, right. Kanye has respect and love and admiration for Justin Vernon, you know? And that makes it feel a little better, too, as opposed to, like, Justin Vernon just went into... Kanye's computer and stole his tricks you know yeah, it's no. like that's collaborative because I think if you're a fan going in like this still immediately to me feels like a Bonnie Vare record you know there's just like no question about it and I like that uh I like that there's a lot of ups and downs with this record like you kick off with 22 over soon which is very low key and then you get into like something pretty abrasive with death breast Mm -hmm. and then 715 creeks dude vocoder yeah yeah nothing else but Mm -hmm. the vocoder which i think is like a pretty pretty bold move you know to just like hang this track out down along the creek I remember something Heard the heron hurried away Flush the breach that last Sunday Low moon down the yellow road For a long time, which is cool. Like, I love, like, that's, people might listen to this and be like, oh, works with Kanye once again, you know? And it's like, no, you can go listen back yeah. to Wolves. You can go listen back to like, or Woods, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's been doing stuff like this. And I think, I don't know, Tim, to me, this doesn't even like scream Kanye. Kanye. No, where I don't it, think so. It kind of, to me, like leans more into like the imaging heap, frou-frou stuff and and has that vibe to it as far as the Mm auto-tune. But to put that as the third track, 
you know, just that that this I there's no like he doesn't need to build momentum necessarily to keep you anywhere. Yeah, and I think that I mean you need to listen to this record in your mind. You need to be thinking about it like an experimental record. If your mind is the type of mind that needs to put it into a box or whatever, like, um, which is like helpful for me sometimes. Like, I think at first it was harder for me to get into this because I was like, I miss Emma. (laughs) I miss the self titled, you know what I mean? But it's like, no dude, like you listen to this and it's like, it's been five years since Emma and uh he's already won a grammy and he's not interested in just doing that same shit so this makes sense as a natural progression and if you listen to it as an experimental record this makes sense as a third song to me you know what i mean it's like a it's like a movie you know this whole thing's like a um it's really cinematic yeah definitely and I don't know, I think 33 God kind of gives you some of that earlier, Justin Vernon. And it's maybe the first look at a really, really pretty song on the record. But you still got like the experimental shit going on. Even even little things, just like the banjo that kicks in on this track. Totally, totally. But mixed with like the the far out vocal that kicks in no the progression and the 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 palette that this song has reminds me of stuff from the self-titled um and then it moves through that and goes into you know by the time that you get past the the first minute you know you get into 140 or something and it's already a whole nother this is this is no longer something that was on Bony Bear, you know. Staying at the Ace Hotel, call it loud. I would just be floating to you now. It would make it fast and let it pass on. I'm climbing the dash. One, one sort of, it's not even like a critique, but it's just something, yeah, it's certainly not a critique. It's just something that is a taste thing for me is sometimes the, uh, sometimes his vocals for me are a little like on the nose, you know? Um, and that to me, just like, I like, I like when the vocals, I can't even hear what the fucking lyrics are saying. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I play instrumental music, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes for me, like, oh, I'd be happy as hell if you'd say for tea. Like, you know, it just feels like a little like corny to me, you know, and that takes me out of it sometimes. But again, it's just the thing that keeps me, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just something that I noticed like, on my bike ride when this i listened to this the first time i that that stuck in my head and i was just like eh. you know i i as well um for me you know um 
the record that came after this one. Uh, and it's not a, yeah, again, it's just sort of a preference thing. I feel like the first two records were a little more esoteric in their lyrics, like a little more abstract. And I feel like the second one, especially, you can't like even hear what the fuck he's singing half the time. Yeah, I mean, I think like looking at the lyrics though, I had a, <clears throat> I listened to this record really early this morning. I, I was having trouble sleeping, so I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to pop in some headphones and have some coffee and listen to this album and mm. kind of kind of woke up with it, which mm. it was uh, was kind of a fun listen with totally. it. And I kind of went through the lyrics a little bit as I was listening, and I think that I still, even listening and looking through the lyrics, I'm very amazed and impressed with the amount of mystery that he is able to keep intact with his lyrics. Cause I don't even think line for line, it really stays in the same place. And that's not necessarily like, yeah, I think that that can be true. And then also for some reason, like that lyric doesn't bother me as much as like, if, if I read, if I, went and looked at a lyric sheet and that was the lyric i'd be like oh that's a that's fine or cool or whatever it's just like the way that it's like so the thing there but that's probably has like something to do with my own insecurities and you know bullshit <laughs> you know like i don't i i'm yeah it's not a unequivocally good or bad thing it's just something that i've noticed that some of it some of it takes me out of that where it feels a little like just a little corny sometimes. And you get that too, I think, with some of the chord progressions. Some of the stuff feels like, we'll get to it later, um, but some of the stuff sometimes feels a little churchy to me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But like, like white church. Like, you know, not not like black church. I mean, like like yeah no i think you're right midwestern presbyterian church or whatever i mean and that's his world you know yes of course growing up in like small town wisconsin where there's just you know midwest in general where there's just these small towns and a bunch of churches and that's Mm -hmm. like that ends up being the community of people you hang out with Mm -hmm. and i think they're definitely i don't always love stuff that comes across as like like real hymnal like that Mm -hmm. And like where there's these kind of white church hymns going on. Mm -hmm. But with this particular record, for some reason, I'm very, I'm very into his interpretation of it. it. Yeah. 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 And again, this is all to say, I really like this record. I think it's, I, 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 I'm really, I got, I, I think there's a lot, so much to learn and take and be inspired by from this record. So yeah, it's like, those were just the two things that poked out at me. And I was like, huh, it just was a little like cute yeah. or a little cringe, a little corny at times mm. for me. It was like a little too sentimental or whatever. But like I said, that's probably because of my own fucking things. I need to talk to a therapist about, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you, do you get that vibe from 29 St- Stratford? No, I actually like this one. And this one to me, like feels like, um, feels like you know some some like for emma type thing Mm -hmm. and it feels like 
just that main raising, uh, ascending melody that he sings reminds me of some like Gregory Gregory Allen Isakov. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it is like a little. It this one for me is a little. It feels a little like canned at times, where it's just like the predictable chord progression. But like that's that's sort of it, just participating in a lineage, which yeah. is cool because right. it's like expanding that lineage. It's like if you're gonna, I'm not saying people shouldn't play the blues. You know what I mean? Like people shouldn't play, like this sort of bluegrassy thing that he's doing. So, and I appreciate him for doing that, maintaining that form, but it's still you know got his swing on it it's interesting you know yeah i love the strings on that one and it's also like another it's a track that kind of brings back the fucked up aux cable in your stereo at, at, at the end yeah you know, and and just kind of uh it's one of my favorite tracks with the use of the auto tone the auto tune mm-hmm. and then like the juxtaposition kind of of like that tinny radio sounding vocal that comes through when he's doing the paramine thing right and uh the canonized line as well i had no idea what that can't like that made me that's one of those like his lyrics are something that will inspire me to go look something up Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. canonize is not a word i was familiar with and then yeah. I went and looked it up and to make something canonical. Yeah, yeah. To like officially declare a dead person, a saint amongst like the Roman Catholic church oh, specifically too. Okay. Cause I would think about it like, like Canon, like literary Canon or like a part of musical Canon would be like, like the must knows, you know, or like the, the, the essential, mm. the essential, yeah. like, like the jazz Canon, would be like oh miles davis is the like saints canonical. those are the saints yeah, of exactly jazz. So, yeah so to yeah. like to canonize yeah or to, just the to yeah deem as as that important you know mm-hmm. or the paramine thing of just multiple minds existing as one mind yeah 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 but yeah i mean this this is so like this song i i i like but i also like don't like i'm not this isn't the part of the record that i come to the record for yeah like the first three songs for me i'm way more like interested in uh than the fourth and fifth song which is not to say i don't like those and i think that they make for a really interesting listen through an entire record and that's where you listen to this record like it's an experimental record that is just a movement, you know? It's it's a movie. So far, so That's the interesting thing with, you know, when you make a when a singer songwriter makes a record like this and there's not really a whole lot of time to sit in one place too long, which maybe it, which I think makes it a little hard. Yeah. Harder to pull off like with that genre, I guess. And, uh, maybe is 
like where you lose some of the Bonnie Ver fans that were more just here for the for Emma. Right. But you those know? are the fans that would love the yeah, the Stratford apartment song and then they listen to Death Breast and they're like, what the fuck is this? You know, like Or yeah, even something with like I don't know, six six six. I think the the patience on that track and and maybe like you you are sitting through a lot of just a vocal sitting out there. Yeah. And well, I think we should play that if if you're down to yeah. play six six six. Let's do it. This yeah, this one to me has a really nice blend of like of 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 all of the stuff, all of the good things we're talking about, and it's not. It's not super abstract, you know. Six is hanging the door. What kind of shit to ignore? I've cut the cloth. Most of 
because you have like I don't know like what's going on there like when you're, you're just hearing like the little shit bouncing back in the speakers like before the before the actual percussion kicks in mm-hmm just this little like arpeggiator some synthesizer yeah. like know? I love that you have that and then just Building the anticipation for those huge drums to drop in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the melody that he does, I know we just listened to it, but just cut it in at at 105. And the melody that he does... The, I don't know who can be, I don't know who can go... Like, that's just like quintessential Bon Iver that just Mm -hmm. like makes me feel emotional for some reason <laughs> you know it's just like, about his voice dude. That, that that melody and that like every single record that he does like has at least a couple moments on it where you're just like yeah that's got like it feels very yearning you know it's reaching for something and yeah the bass comes in i mean the the, the this whole tune is is um a really masterful job of, of patience you know to just subtly layer things and you're two minutes in and then that's when you start getting inklings of bass and drums you know yeah when the big drums come in it's super reminiscent for me of Perth from from the self-titled record you know almost almost to a f- place that I wish that he did something else because it feels like oh, this is that thing that you did on the last record. But I think it's, like, really effective, you know? Yeah, I think it's a different way to get there, too. Totally, totally, totally. And I've seen him do this song live, and it's just, like, pretty nuts, you know? I've been lucky. I've seen him twice. Uh, I saw him at the Eau Claire's Festival in 2015, and he played. He hadn't played for a long time, and he played a bunch of shit off of this record, um, and he played right after Sufjan. Sufjan had just dropped Carrie and Lowell. So Sufjan did a set and then you walked across the field to the Bon Iver set. Um, and then I saw him after II at the Moda Center, um, which was pretty cool as well. So yeah, I mean, this stuff translates to live incredibly well and he has like a big six-piece band i think and it's it's just really truly like a a, a production you know yeah man track i love this shit you know like i want a whole record of bony bear stuff that is like death breast creeks and moon Moonwater, you know, like it just sounds like a, a really interesting ethereal score for something, you know, where he's using his voice as like a collage, you know. This shit reminds me of some of the stuff that you'll hear like on Blonde, you know. Yeah, feels pretty like avant garde at times to me. Like it's, it is very like experimental with what he's doing with all the layers behind his vocal, especially when you get like two minutes in and you have all this fucked up noise screaming behind him a little bit with the instruments. 
somebody who likes free jazz like there's a thing that I appreciate about this in the same way that I appreciate things about free jazz not just because there's a saxophone that comes on you know later in the song but before the saxophone even there's all these little different musings that feel improvisational that you can sort of just like listen to and tap in on and they're interacting with the other musings in interesting ways, you know, and you can hear different things every time you listen. It just sort of puts you in into the to the to the song as opposed to viewing the song or listening to it and looking at it. You're sort of within it, you know, just looking around. Um, and the way that it transitions into eight is, you know, pretty pretty slick. Yeah. I also just think that uh, as far as placement and sequencing, that Moonwater is so important to like just shifting into like the beauty of Eight. Because yeah. Eight is like another one of those like very pretty songs. And I don't know, without coming out of the haze that Moonwater is. You know, it's just, again, it's another one of those moments where you have this this fucked up out moment and then goes into something really, really pretty. And it feels even prettier because of where you've just been. Right, right. It's also like, there's so much space on 8. Um, you know, there's, there's lyrics, but there's not a ton. Some of my favorite lyrics on this track, though. Mm-hmm. I will say this is sort of where it gets on that line of like church for me, you know. But it also works, and it, it to me it feels like like uh, Beth rest the last song on um, on the self-titled record. That shit is so corny, but I love it. It's like one of my favorite Bon Iver songs. It sounds like some Bruce Springsteen shit, though. It's like really in, you know, like I say, mountaintop vibes, you know? Reminiscent of that in that way. Say nothing 
the beginning it's got that i can't recall it lightly at all but i know i'm going in and uh yeah dude this dude is just the master i feel like of evoking that that emotion within you Mm -hmm. i mean yeah there was there was a while where i had to like sort of be intentional about if I was going to listen to a Bon Iver record or not because it was like going to put me in a place you know it'll what I mean break you down <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be like okay sort of done for the night you know yeah the way that eight builds and those horn pads that come in around 220 just gets really lush and again the production on this whole record is flawless you know, yeah flawless is right 45 is one of my favorite tunes well 45 is cool because you're nearly like 30 minutes into the record and it's the first time that you really ever get any dry vocal which i think is very cool for like that you have this dry vocal over these wild synths and and horns that are very jumbled in the background yeah i i think that the the writing on this one as far as the the horns is like super inspiring it's like i want to show this to andy you know and just be like do something like this (laughs) yeah you know it makes me curious to know if he just did this vocal track kind of dry with nothing else there and just singing this melody and then and then built the other production it. was there or was yeah. the or was the vocal built around the production that was there no idea either way it was some lego shit you know <laughs> yeah I've been calling fire. I stayed down the other night. I've been calling fire. I stayed down. When I know it was the truth. I've been calling fire. I stayed down the other night. Oh uh-huh. 
So yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, it's cool because like, he is a master, like you said, and it's like, you were just talking about that because of his lyrics, and now I'm talking about it because of this writing and production and this, like, it's the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing is, um, is really next level. And then the way that it builds... And this is one of those sort of hymnal things, but it doesn't really bother me because everything else that's going on is so out, you know? I mean, at this point, you feel like you're looking at Justin Vernon like he's just like a producer, like he's like like a beat maker, like in the box, and he just, you know, whatever, whatever it calls for, that's what's going to happen, whether it's a banjo or, you know, and just a mode. Uh... Yeah, and then you have that seamless transition into the last track on the record, the zero million, or whatever you want to signify the zeros of. <laughs> whatever number million that is. I'm assuming that the zeros continue to cancel themselves out <laughs> if they uh, follow one another. Yeah, I, I think probably. But then if you put another number in front, it's a real difference. Yeah. Out of any track on the record, to me, this is the one that has the most like hymnal vibe to it yeah I could take or leave you know and it's like for me it's like if you take over soon death breast creeks uh, moon water and 45 and you play those for me and you're like this is a snapshot of the new bony bear record I'd be like holy shit this is insane I love this this is like this is nuts and then if you show me the other songs I'm more like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's cool, you know. It's not bad at all, um, and I think that 
in the sequencing and around the whole other songs like those like like a song like this or some of the other ones that I, I personally was a little less grabbed by mm-hmm. um, are helped by being surrounded by other weird songs you know and more out yeah. songs so overall I think I mean I'm I feel like I have a lot deeper of an understanding of like this record you know than I did before uh, because it's it's a, it's a confusing record you know what I mean especially that's why the, I like it so much yeah yeah totally <laughs> Well, it's sort of funny because it like starts out those first three songs make you think it's going to be a little more experimental than it is. Um, And that's not to say that it's not experimental. Um, But it feels a little bit to me like sometimes it's like, here's an experimental song. Here's a less experimental song as opposed to like the whole thing is sort of this like mixture of, of all of it at the same time. Yeah. Which isn't a critique. It's just like an interest. I think that's what makes it confusing. For sure. I Yeah. I don't know. To me, there's still like this through line of each track too, though, that somehow ties it all together. And totally. I want, I want like both of those things. I want these super dark experimental tracks, like the fucking the death breast. And then I also want this this closing track where it's just him on the keys. You know, there's some something going on with the vocals still a little bit. But it's just like okay. Yeah, you can you can hide behind all the production, but it's really like you're just an incredible songwriter overall. Without a doubt. I mean yeah, I mean, I, I saw, I was just reading on the Wikipedia, somebody compared this album to Kid A. They said, like, not since Kid A has there been an album that was this influential, like, uh, with a bunch of other qualifiers, probably. But, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd make that claim, but I'd say definitely one of them, you know, like, I think Good Kid, Bad City and Pimp Butterfly were also hugely influential, but you can't compare apples and oranges in that way you know like yeah and i think it's also like what what genres you're talking about exactly the way that this is the way kid a influenced the alternative scene yeah huge right the way to pimp a butterfly influences hip-hop and rap huge yeah huge the way that this influences a bunch of singer songwriters to maybe start thinking about their music differently and maybe Getting to like produce things inside the box and totally. not be afraid totally. to do shit like that. No. And I think that that's like net gain infinitely. Like, it, like if, if people can be inspired to just like explore different sounds, I, it's crazy how many people I talk to, um, that play guitar and write songs and I love their songs and they're just like, Oh, I never even like thought about doing this on a different instrument you know what i mean it's like the chords are the same you just you can go find any sound that you want you know and and that's that's probably another bit of the kanye influence you know where it's like you're just choosing a palette you know and the what you choose is so important what do you think about the titles anything 
Or you know, you no, just I, like, I, I, honestly, like you're just like I those think, are just the name of the songs. I think it's cool that to me there's a lot of mystery in them, and that it's very unconventional uh, the way that they are titled. And I think it also goes so well. The cover art for this record is great. It's all these little symbols, and I think that 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 like matches aesthetically to me. And just like you were saying, how confusing this record can maybe feel. Yeah. He's like, you also have these super confusing titles. Yeah, totally. Totally. I remember the first time I saw it, I think I, uh, like the pretentious asshole that I try to not be, but I think I, I just rolled my eyes a little cause I was like, uh, you know, gets a synthesizer, you know, gets all abstract art fucking starts working with Kanye and now he's got all these like you know he's not using you know characters or whatever and it's it's cool though too it's like you know it's all good but I just remember that was a thing that also I think like I think some people feel like he was like trying too hard to like be avant-garde with this record and I feel like I feel like that I don't I don't think that that's true at all. I think that he nails it. But I feel like the the song titles is one of the things that for me I'm like, yeah, I, I get I get what, where you're coming from if if you're like, you know, okay, cool, you know. But yeah, I mean, the last tune 00 whatever million um as far as the hymnal thing, this one actually doesn't get me too much. I think it's pretty pretty great how it showcases the lyrics and i think that these are some of the better lyrics not better whatever some of the lyrics that i enjoy that that sort of i can get into yeah dude i don't know it's not uh it's not anything that disappoints to me as as far as going back through it's still like anytime i'm gonna put on some bonnie bear this is definitely in consideration for which record I'm putting on, you know? Oh, yeah. For no, as I mean, great and amazing as those first two are. And I also love the Blood Bank EP. Mm-hmm. And what about II? It's it's just can't miss for me. I think II is amazing, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and maybe II, I'm a little more unfamiliar. I haven't listened to quite as many times as even this 22 million. Yeah. II has a few more of those churchy moments that but it also has like higher highs and certain parts for me too so it's just sort of just a a grab bag man have you listened to some of his new singles uh i have but i'm not like i don't know i haven't listened to him enough to to be able to say anything about them i know i like them yeah i've been really enjoying listening to please don't live in fear I think that that single is probably I like that song more than any song on either I I or Twenty Two A Million, which is saying a lot because I I like I now know that I really respect Twenty Two A Million, and I also think that I I is great. But yeah, please don't live in fear. The horns. All right, man. Well, 
Justin Vernon. Come on the cast. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll he'll just pop on. Um I'll have to figure out what to play this episode out with, but in the meantime, we need to select some records. All right. This I'm gonna give you three, okay? And then you're gonna pick one, or you can say no, and then uh I'll get maddened. You know, and you'll get maddened and I'll tell you what you're listening to. Um all right, so the first one is called Information by Goucher Lustwork. Okay. That is like some like, he's from Cleveland, lives in New York, and it's like some like sort of house, definitely in my DJ sets, what's with the, like some hip hop influence. The artist is Goucher, G-A-L-C-H-E-R. Okay, gotcha. Lustwork. Um, the second one is going to be Dots and Loops by Stereolab. Okay. Um, an album that changed my life. Oh. Um, but I also think that this Goucher album is like, has become heavily influential for me. Uh, sorry, dude. This doesn't meet the criteria. This album is an hour and 15 minutes, so I'm going to have to go ahead and say no to that. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's so good, dude. Oh, it's no, an hour I'm, and five you minutes. Ex- it's an hour and 15. The, the Stereo Lab? No, the Goucher. Oh, really? Oh, maybe this is. No, the I got one that's. F- I got 40, 43 minutes here. Oh, I'm but, sorry, buddy. I found this- but the uh, Stereo oh, Lab—that's a, that's a remixed record of the that, Stereo Lab one—is an hour and five minutes, but it's it's allowed. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's he's with me. What is Stereo Lab? What's the name of their Dots and Loops? Dots and Loops. Yep. And then, um, damn, nineteen ninety-seven, huh? Yeah, dude. I, I I just like always know this name Stereo Lab. That doesn't, album like, mean like, anything to me though. I think it's yeah, N- no nothing to say. Um, and then um, I guess we just did a fly the record, so I won't do that. Um, well, we we haven't done in in our nineteen episodes. We have not repeated a artist yet. I'm sure I we think will. It's, I think it's good. I think it's good. Yeah. Okay. How about um. You can edit this so that the fucking yeah, people I'm, I'm not have to gonna, listen to people this aren't gonna be bullshit. listening to <laughs> cycle through. I don't even know what I'm picking yet, dude. Right, 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 right. Okay, and the third record is Kingmaker by Joel Ross. I know nothing about this. Joel Ross is a vibraphone player from Chicago, I believe who lives in New York now, I believe. Also an hour long. Fuck. But this is like some real straight, not straight ahead, but real true, like, you know, all acoustic instruments, modern jazz. Okay. Well, I'm leaning towards the Stereo Lab or the Joel Ross at the moment. Do the Stereo Lab one, dude. I feel like I want to do that one just so I have some context for knowing who Stereo Lab is. I dropped and forty bucks on that record, there maybe more like the other day because I want. I just it's 
it's really changed my fucking ears over the last six, eight months. Okay. Let's do the Stereo Lab album. Dots and Loops. And I will propose that we do. Damn, I really like this uh, Joel record. Yeah, you should check it out. I just have it in my ears right now. All right, I'm going to throw out this, uh, these people, these kids, man, and their, their names for records. S Z N Z. What do you think this spells? Seasons, maybe? That's what I was thinking. All right, so I don't know if I said, I sent you this record. I don't know if you ever listened to it a few weeks ago. It's by, by Mother Nature. They're out of Chicago. Word, no, I didn't listen Rap to it. Rap duo. I know you sent it to me. Um, I've listened to it a few times through and have really been enjoying this one. So it's Mother Nature with the producer Boathouse on the tracks. Cool. And then there's a new Kiefer album. I don't know if you fuck with Kiefer at all. He's on Stone's Throw. Yeah. It is Between Days. All right, so Kiefer, Between Days. I'll keep it all hip-hop. And I'm also going to nominate Bryson the Alien, who's a local Portlander here. And we'll be... I'll have a podcast episode coming up with him very shortly here. Just hung out with him the other day. And his most recent release that came out March 1st is called BTA World 64. And it's uh, very video game-esque vibes to it, to the production for sure. And I think you would appreciate that album just because I think Bryson goes after like a lot of beats where there isn't really a pocket. And he really reminds me of like some MF Doom type shit to, to what he does a lot of the time. So, yeah. That's where it's at. You got the Mother Nature uh, rap duo. We got the Kiefer instrumental new record. I think all of Kiefer's stuff is instrumental. It's kind of his jam, but Between Days. And then the Bryson the Alien one. I'm between Bryson and uh, what was that first one? Seasons. Mother Nature by Seasons. Seasons by Mother Nature. Yep. You said this is from Chicago. How how'd you yeah. get hip to this? The internet, man. This shit is cool. This cuz like it reminds me of like some Dude, of that early 2000s stuff. So good too. Like I just love their the chemistry between the two rappers. All right, let's do that. Let's do let's do Mother Nature Seasons. Let's give it some love. Yeah, Dope. give it some love. Well, so that's Cuzzo. that deal. Yeah, we wrapped up. Um, wow, we did another episode in under an hour. We're I think the listeners the are really point. gonna love us. You know, yeah, yeah we're just They're, getting. They to don't the have point. to listen to any of our bullshit and all those links in the episode notes, so people can keep up with it. Shouts to to Distro Kid for keeping us in business here. You know, sponsoring the podcast. 
Make sure to hit that link so you can get that 30% off. That's right. You are killing it right on time. Yep, You're like yep. a drummer. Yep, yep, yep. Or something, you know? Yep. Well, and, cousin. Uh, yeah. We did it. We did it. All the links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with the both of us. And uh, Justin Vernon, good at music. Justin Vernon is very good at music. And man, got to pick a, a song here to play it out with. So hard to select. There's so many good ones. This is your time to shine here. This is my time to shine. What did we play earlier? 29 Stafford? No, we played 666. It's pretty low key. All right, well, I know you said this one's maybe a little little too hymnal for you, but. Hey, man. This is your. We're going to go in with something pretty and play this, this eight circle. To, to end things since it's got some of my my favorite lyrics on it and uh this is how we're gonna end it we're gonna end it with eight off 22 a million and uh we're gonna wrap this thing up man hell yeah well until next time cousin yeah love you man love be you well too. yeah and uh hopefully i think i think we're in the near future gonna get to do some of these in person yeah, finally, that that will be the fun. It's been a long pandy. We this is the longest that we've ever gone without seeing each other since I moved to to the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. eight years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, without a doubt. But at least we have to cast. see you in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. This has been a great way to to keep up. That's for sure. So I uh, keep digging records, cousin. Keep digging records and uh, be well, everybody. Two.
Can't stay for the pursuit. 